Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast. It's been a tough night for Australia here in Lucknow. They've been thoroughly beaten by South Africa and it's going to be myself, Josh Onifinger and Jack Painter to run you through exactly what happened out here. It was a tough one for Australia. 134 runs was the final margin. Um, so where do we begin? Because I think everyone can sort of agree that South Africa won in all facets of the game tonight. They did. And I guess we can start with that's a record defeat for Australia in World Cups, 134 runs, which just shows how successful they've been in this tournament over a long period of time that they haven't lost by a greater runs margin than tonight. Um, but yeah, they were comprehensively outplayed. Uh, their fourth straight defeat at World Cups, if you count the last two games of the 2019 event, the semi final loss to England and then this uh, last game of the pool stage again against South Africa. So. Um, you know, they've won one game in their last eight ODIs, so it's been a tough stretch for Australia and it's um, certainly not improving at the moment. Yeah, Pat Cummins won the toss again and chose to bowl in the very hot conditions here in Lucknow. It was 35 degrees actually when the toss landed in the middle of the pitch, so that was an interesting decision to begin with. And Quinton de Kock and Temba Bavuma cashed in. They got up to the century stand without losing a wicket, and Quinton de Kock went on to three figures himself, 109 he finished with. There were also solid contributions from Aidan Markram, who got 56, Heinrich Klaassen, who got 29, and then a very handy 26 from Marco Janssen got South Africa up to 311. Uh, there were some good bowling performances. However, from Australia, Glenn Maxwell was the pick, probably, with two for 34. And Mitchell Stark was also pretty impressive with two for 53. In reply, it looked like Australia were pretty happy to keep South Africa to 311, but they just lost too many wickets early. Marsh and Warner were both gone within seven overs. And then Smith and Inglis also fell to Kahiso Rabada. Marcus Stoinis, there was a bit of controversy around his dismissal, which we'll get to soon, but we did have a little bit of a, uh, let's say, resistance from Manus Labuschagne, who got 46, but by the time he fell at eight for 143, the gig was certainly up. Uh, a few runs were put on at the end by Cummins and Zampa and Hazelwood, but it was, yeah, comprehensive. Australia all out inside the 41st over, and Manus Labuschagne said in the post-match press conference that Australia have to be better. Let's hear what he said. I'm not here to sit and make excuses. We're playing the World Cup for Australia. Um, we have to be ready. We have to be better than that. Um, yeah, I, it's hard to put your finger on it. I mean, you know, we're, we're one of the best fielding sides in the world. Um, we pride ourselves on that. And, um, you know, we just didn't seem to get it right today. Um, you know, we created opportunities and, and just didn't take them and um, yeah it just wasn't a great performance from us but um, we have to bounce back and, and, and get this train rolling. Uh, so as we can hear there from, from Manus it's a bit of not soul searching but uh, they're going to have to dig deep here the Australians and they did well I think in the end to restrict South Africa to 311 it could have been a lot worse they didn't take any wickets for the new ball they struggled to make inroads with the 
through the middle overs. Um, they put on 108 for the first wicket, Quinn and Decock and Temba Bavuma. So it was a real grind there for Australia early on. It was, it was really only Glenn Maxwell that got something going. And then once uh, the 40th over ticked over, the quicks came back and they started to dig it in to the pitch and, and that sort of slowed the scoring rate down. They got a few wickets and, and managed to keep them to a score that was probably gettable in the end. We saw the Jew come in later on and conditions certainly got, uh, well, the pitch certainly sped up yeah. later on. So. You know, Australia, if they had had any batters left, they could have made a, a decent uh, fist of it, but uh, they just didn't have anyone left once uh, Stoinis and Labashain got out. Yeah, you said that they were happy with keeping South Africa to 311. Well, South Africa were three for 230 with 10 overs to go, so that's an amazing platform for some of their big hitters. But credit to Australia, they um, kept them to only 300. And 11, and when we saw them walking off the ground here, they were all high-fiving and slapping backs. So, like, they seemed really chuffed with that finish. And, in fact, the last 10 overs only went for 79 runs. They were, they were happy with that as they were walking off, but I think um, it showed South Africa how to, to bowl on this pitch. We spoke to Lungi Ningiri after the match, and um, he said exactly the same thing. It was kind of a blueprint for how to bowl on this pitch. Um, you, you bang it in, a lot of cutters, um, make them hit to the, the longer square boundaries and put all the... You know, pace on the ball, and you know the South African guys uh, got some balls to rise through the surface, um, and really troubled the Australian batters or the Australian top order with that new ball. So um, they had Australia six for seventy, um, and by that that stage, the the chase was all but over. One thing that plagued Australia's bowling innings was their fielding. Uh, they put down five, maybe five and a half catches, if you want to count a tough one from Adam Zampa, and a couple of them were really simple. It has to be said they were, you know, sitters and. This team has, has such high standards for fielding, so they will be really disappointed with some of the catches that went down. There was one from Abbott where he sort of panicked on the rope. There was Marcus Stoinis putting down a dolly and then a couple of you know tougher ones, but also very gettable by this team's standards. So that was addressed post-match as well, uh, and that was part of Marnus Labuschagne's answer about not being good enough. And it's just something we're just not used to seeing from this side. Glenn Maxwell said after the fielding issues in the first game that they were sort of blaming the dew. It was quite wet, soggy conditions. Today, under, you know, crystal clear skies, hot conditions, dry conditions, they didn't have that same excuse. And it says for itself in, in the numbers, you look at the, the teams in only two games so far in this World Cup, but you look at the teams in Australia's catching percentage is the lowest, 57%. Uh, five chances down tonight. There was a crucial catch in the first match against India where they dropped Virat Kohli. Um, so much like the batting and, and the bowling sort of through the middle overs, it's just becoming a trend. And perhaps the, the worst example tonight was Maxwell himself in the penultimate over of Australia's bowling innings. He let a ball through his legs at cover and they, they got two runs from it. And it's not something you're used to seeing from Australia, let alone Glenn Maxwell, yeah. who's probably the best fielder in that side. So um, there's issues there that are becoming... Um, a trend over the, over the last eight games um, and it's something they need to address quickly to turn around their form in this tournament. Now, we don't have a sponsor for the moment of the day anymore. That's due to some ICC ins and outs. We won't bore you with the details on that. So we're just going to say that today's moment of the day is brought to you by the Singapore Noodles in the press box because they were pretty bloody good. I went back for a couple of servings for that, as you well pointed out. Um, but Jack, what was your Singapore Noodles moment of the day? It'd have to be Quinn de Kock. He started this tournament with two straight centuries. He had a bit of a, a tough time in the series against um, Australia in the prior to the World Cup, but he's come into this um, you know, tournament in, in blistering form, 84, not out in the warm-up match, and then two centuries on the trot. Um, just from the outset, he looked like he was on. There was a 
you know, huge flick off Mitch Stark over the mm. over the fence into the stands, which sort of set the tone for that that partnership. And he just took the game away from Australia um, early on after they were sent in as well by Pat Cummins. So uh, moment of the day has to go two straight tons to Quinn de Kock to, to start the World Cup. Yeah, he's been fantastic. And Timber Bavuma gave a few chances, but I don't think Quinton gave any. In fact, it was a pretty much a flawless innings until he was out for 109 of 106 balls, five sixes and eight fours in there. And he actually did the pre-match press conference the day before the game, didn't he? And I just wanted to know, did the ODI retirement call sort of free him up? But he didn't really give us anything on that. So a little bit disappointed, but to me, it looks like He's just got a clear mindset. He's gone out there to play because he knows this is the end for him in this format and it's working for him so far. And it looks to be good news for Melbourne Renegades fans as well. He'll join Absolutely, them in yeah. the uh, big bash after the World Cup is done. So um, Renegades fans will certainly be liking uh, what they're seeing, what, what they saw tonight. Um, perhaps even if they are just a bit disappointed with the Australian result. Yeah, it's a, it's a good Renegade side shaping up, but we won't delve too much into that. Uh, um, the other interesting thing was that the conditions out there in South Africa's bowling innings when Australia was struggling in the power play. We saw in Chennai against India that uh, Australia struck early in the power play, three times, in fact, in the first two overs, and it happened again tonight. So maybe this underlights we'll see a bit of a trend where early wickets will fall and... Uh, it was Kahiso Rabada, in fact, who took three wickets. He was outstanding. Three for 33, he finished with. He actually said that the pace quickened up a bit under lights. And so let's hear him explain just how the conditions changed once the lights turned on. You know, the word around is that they have relayed the pitches. I don't know um, how they've done that, whether they've added more grass. I'm not too sure. Um, but it certainly looks that way. And, um, yeah, today, uh, under lights, it just seemed to... Um, to zip that extra bit more but uh, the word uh, during the day was that it was it had a bit of pace in it and, and a bit of bounce in it and I guess with a bit of the moisture at night it just did a bit more. So Rabada's third wicket well there's a bit of controversy around his first wicket as well which was the Steve Smith LBW if you want to see the video for these controversial calls by the way go to cricket.com.au and the CA live app we've got you covered there uh, some, they have to be seen to be believed and we're going to have a tough time explaining them. The first one was a Steve Smith LBW that looked like it was tracking down the leg side. South Africa didn't really want to review but Temba Bavuma thought, well, why not? We've got two, we may as well burn one. And it was three reds. No umpires call nothing, three reds. But the more controversial one was Marcus Stoinis who looked like he was a Michael Kaspervich situation where gloved down the leg side, his hand wasn't fully on the bat, perhaps. The third umpire disagreed though, Jack. Yeah, his ruling um, over the broadcast was that the, the hand, uh, the bottom hand um, of Marcus Stoinis was touching the other glove. So it wasn't on the bat, but it was touching the other glove when the ball hit that glove and went through to Quinton de Klock, who took quite a good catch, um, to be fair. Excellent that was catch, a yeah. Spectacular diving catch down the leg side and ruled him out. So Stoinis uh, started walking off, actually, when South Africa reviewed because he knew it had touched his glove, but then came back when he saw the replay because his hand was off the off the handle um, but then he was bemused when he was given out uh, much like uh, a lot of us in the press box as well because you know it certainly looked like from the replays that we saw I'm not sure what uh, they have access to in the third umpire's box but it certainly seemed from what we saw that the hand wasn't touching the other glove um, from the front on and the side on uh, split screen when they were sort of synced together you could see that there was a clear gap between the two hands so um, I certainly thought the hand was off the bat um, but Crucially, the third umpire disagreed. Yeah, so the law is that 
the glove, if it's connected to the bat, is an extension of the bat, correct? But So if the glove's not on the bat, it doesn't count as hitting the bat. But if one glove is off the bat and the other is on, and the two gloves are touching, but not necessarily both gloves are touching the bat, it's all very confusing, but do, do I have that correct? Certainly very confusing, and it sends uh, all of us uh, cricket snuffs diving for the, the rule book, and I did look it up, so it's uh, law 5.62, the ball is regarded as being struck by the bat if any part of the glove worn on the batter's hand holding the bat, I think that's the crucial word there, holding the bat um, is touched by the ball. So in my opinion, um, the hand that touched the ball wasn't touching the bat at the time the ball um, brushed it. Yeah, okay. So definitely check out that video if you haven't seen it already because it'll, I'm sure, make more sense than we've just done right there. So Australia, they're now two losses from two games. They've got Sri Lanka next, but crucially at the same venue as we are at tonight, another match at Akana Stadium. So that might play into Australia's hands. A bit more familiarity with this venue, and that's in four days' time. So that's on the 16th of October. As always, we will wrap up that game on this podcast. So make sure you hit like, subscribe, and we'll catch you on the next episode. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volur xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.